Welcome to the audio version of Lift Your Eyes, Reflections on Paul's Letter to the Ephesians, by me, Lionel Windsor, New Testament Lecturer at Moore College, Sydney. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. Good works, where do they fit? A church in rural Australia recently sent a letter of thanks to some of its financial donors. The donors had contributed to an appeal to restore the church's 150-year-old building. Instead of a traditional thank you letter, the church wanted to do something a little different. They decided to play on the idea of indulgences, a practice from medieval times where the Catholic Church raised money for buildings by selling pardon for sins. So, tongue firmly in cheek, this rural Australian church sent its financial donors a letter, providing them with priority access to heaven. The letter said, To St. Peter, Border Control, Pearly Gates. The bearer of this letter has helped to keep God alive in Yea by contributing to the restoration appeal for St. Luke's Anglican Church. We hope that this good deed might enable the bearer to be acknowledged and given access to the priority lane for entry through the pearly gates. Note, we cannot guarantee entry into heaven, as other factors may apply. Now, I have to presume that this letter doesn't represent the actual views and teachings of the church. After all, it's designed to be a joke. But still, The joke works because it taps into some common assumptions and stereotypes that many people really do have about God, heaven, and good works. And so it raises some important questions, not just for the financial donors, but for all of us. Can our own contributions help keep God alive? Do our good deeds give us access to heaven, priority or otherwise? Can we ever be guaranteed of entry into heaven? If so, what other factors might apply? These are very significant questions for our relationship with God and our future hope of eternal life, aren't they? In fact, it was opposition to the medieval practice of selling indulgences that sparked the Protestant Reformation more than 500 years ago, giving rise to Protestant churches, Anglican, Lutheran, Presbyterian, etc., The protesters claimed that the medieval Roman church had got these very important issues quite wrong. They claimed that the Roman church wasn't teaching rightly about the place of good works when it comes to salvation, that is, being saved or rescued from sin and God's judgment. And they claimed that this wrong teaching about good works had serious consequences for people's assurance before God. And the protesters went back to the Bible to make their point. Now, this part of the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 2, is one of those places that addresses these questions directly. Here, the Apostle Paul is talking about salvation, heaven, and the place of good works. It's worth paying close attention. We'll focus especially on verses 8 to 10, although the verses that come just before that are also important. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, For it is by grace that you are saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not from works, so that no one may boast. 
For we are his product, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God pre-prepared for us to walk in. Now, if we look at the prior verses that come just before this, verses 5 to 7, we can see that they answer quite a few of the questions I mentioned above. These verses talk about salvation as God's grace or his gift to us. So, can our own contributions help keep God alive? No. In fact, it's the opposite. Verse 5 says that while we ourselves were dead because of our offences, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. This is what salvation by grace means. We were dead, and God made us alive. We can't make him alive, and we can't keep him alive. Do our good deeds give us priority access to heaven? No, they don't. Verse 6 says that God raised us together with Christ and seated us together with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Christ is the one with absolute priority access to heaven. Christ is God's victorious risen son. He's seated at God's right hand, ruling over everything. We see that in chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. And those who believe in Jesus Christ have this priority access too. This priority access doesn't come to us because of our good deeds, but because we're with him. Jesus has died for our sins and risen from the dead, and if we're with him, we have all the priority access that we need. So can we be guaranteed entry into heaven? Yes, we can. This is the point of verse 7. God's actions for us now have a future dimension. God has raised us with Christ so that in the coming ages he could demonstrate the outstanding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We can be secure now and forever in Christ. That's what being saved by grace means. How amazing and comforting this grace is. And in verse 8, Paul repeats this just to make sure we get it. For it is by grace that you are saved. But there's still a question that remains. Can our good works contribute at all to our salvation? Maybe our good works are another factor that may apply in some way. After all, the idea of grace might include works, mightn't it? The word grace means gift, so maybe God gives us the gift of good works to do so that we can earn his favour and receive heaven as a reward from him. Well, theoretically, if we understand grace that way, this could be true. But this is not what God's grace means. And in these verses, Paul goes out of his way to rule that idea out. Paul doesn't just say that we are saved by grace. He says that we are saved by grace through faith. The word faith is another form of the word believe. That is, the gift of God comes to us through believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus. But hold on, you might ask. Maybe this faith actually involves good deeds in some way. Maybe faith involves our own faithfulness or allegiance to God. And so maybe faith also means doing good deeds and being rewarded. Well, this is what Paul rules out next. Paul says that this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. The point is that whatever this saving faith involves, it doesn't come from ourselves. It is God's 
gift. Then Paul says even more clearly, it is not from works, so that no one may boast. The source or basis of our salvation, in other words, has nothing to do with our own actions. Faith doesn't come from works, and so salvation doesn't come from works. By saving us in this way, by faith, God has ruled out the possibility that we could boast. That is, there is no way we can take pride in any achievement when it comes to our salvation. We haven't contributed to it, so we don't have any grounds for boasting. But where do good works fit in then? Does that mean that good works have nothing at all to do with our Christian lives in any way? If good works don't contribute to our salvation, does that mean good works are just an optional extra for living our Christian lives? No. Why? Because there is a very important place for good works. Yes, our salvation does not come from works, but we are saved for works. In verse 10, Paul says that we are God's product. That's my translation of the word here, just to make it clear. Many modern translations have workmanship, but I'm translating it as product. In other words, God hasn't just saved us so we can run away and do our own thing. He saved us for his own purposes. We're his product. You make a product for a reason. What has God made us for? We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're rescued from God's judgment so that we can live as God's new creation, doing good works for God's purposes. Of course, not even this is something we can boast in. These good works are something that God pre-prepared for us to walk in. It all comes from God in the first place. This is his plan for us. Instead of walking along the path of offences and sins and so being ruled by Satan, as Paul says in verses 1 and 2, God has made us walk along a new path, marked out by him. This is the path that God has made for us. And our job as his new creation is to walk in it. Well, then you might ask, if this is the place of good works, what incentive do I have for doing good at all? Can't I just get forgiven and take the free ticket to heaven and then live however I want? We need rewards and punishments. Otherwise, there's no more incentive anymore, is there? Well, if you think that way, you haven't really understood what it means to be saved by God's grace. That idea of incentives is the kind of thinking that belongs in the workplace or the economy. It's the way you think and act when you're caught up in some kind of impersonal economic system. But we don't relate to God through an economic system. Rather, we relate to him as the adopted children of a loving, heavenly Father. Very close to the beginning of Ephesians, Paul says that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his presence. In love, he predetermined that we should be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself. You see, God is not some distant boss or supreme being dispensing incentives for good works. He's chosen us to be holy, and he's adopted us as his children. If God is your loving Heavenly Father, you can be secure in his care now and in the future. You're free to be holy And that means you have a whole new life to live for him. 
This is a wonderful truth, isn't it? Now, sadly, there are very bad fathers in the world. That might be your own experience. But God is not a bad father. He is a good father. In fact, he is the perfect father. A bad father might relate to his children in terms of economics. He might say, I will only accept you if you perform. So my incentive is shape up or you're out of the family. But a good father says to his children, I love you. I forgive you and you are my child and I want you to become more and more like me, holy and blameless, because that is good. And if you fail, and I know you fail, then I love you and I forgive you and you are my child and I want you to grow and become more and more like me. God is the perfect father. God forgives entirely by his grace and God has created us for good works. So God's grace in saving us through our faith doesn't come from works, but it is for works. We need to get this right because it shows us the place of works in our Christian lives. If we forget that our salvation doesn't come from works, then we'll think that we have to achieve salvation. But we won't ever really measure up. We'll live lives of guilt. We'll never be sure of any guarantee of entry into heaven. We'll take our eyes off what Christ has done for us and focus on ourselves and our achievements. On the other hand, if we forget that we save four works, then we'll end up thinking that salvation is some kind of free ride, a ticket we can present to the pearly gates at the end of our lives for free entry without it making any difference to the way we behave. And if we think that, we don't really know God. And more than that, we're denying the very purpose that we're created for. Our salvation doesn't come from works but we are saved for works. And this is no joking matter. It's fundamental to our Christian lives. For reflection. Salvation does not come from our good works. How does that change the way you relate to God and live for him? God has saved us for good works. How does that change the way you relate to God and live for Him? You've been listening to Lift Your Eyes, a lo-fi audio podcast. No witty banter, no crime solved, just me reading my reflections on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I'm Lionel Windsor, New Testament lecturer at Moore College, Sydney. The text version of this podcast can be found at my website, www.lionelwindsor.net. Please check it out, subscribe and share.